0: you know, under the kingdom of God, these walls get torn down. People might want to argue it's not necessarily a race issue, um, but with the world now examining, is there racism in our systems, in government, in teaching, in policing, in the church? Is CCM really exempt? between the grooves is hosted by james curtis music director and morning man in the greater toronto
1: area on joy radio and drew brown juno nominated singer songwriter and worship leader both hope to share insights into christian music exploring ministry message and everything in between you can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via twitter at between grooves now here's james and drew There. Uh, That's right. That's right. That tone was intentional. Uh, I don't know. How are you doing?
2: I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm a little scared right now. Yeah, you should be.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Welcome to Between the Grooves. It's your weekly look at music ministry and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And uh, you are listening to
1: James Curtis and Drew Brown. Woo-hoo! Well, I'm excited about this episode because it's with a dear, dear friend of mine and neighbor, like actual neighbor. This week's episode features a conversation with my boy, John Corbin, and we're going to be chatting about all things race and race relations here in Canada and abroad. And it was really cool because we had a chat about this a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, uh,
2: this kind of stemmed from our host episode that we had right. a number of weeks ago. Yeah, we yeah.
1: started chatting about like diversity in the CCM genre and and that was a really good conversation and it was one of those conversations that could have been like a two or three part series. <laughs> it like could have been gone well, on for a lot longer. And, and, and so it has become that. And, yeah, here we go. <laughs> and so we're continuing that conversation. Hopefully we'll do more episodes on this, but I'm really looking forward for you guys to hear this incredible convo with Mr. Corbin. So
2: that's John Corbin that's coming up in just a bit and uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, but before we get to that, we need to check in with the community cork board. Community cork board. Uh, you remember we had, I guess it was uh, back in June, Swanisha was our guest on Between the Grooves. And we were talking about music and, right. and and whatnot, obviously, because that's what we talk about on this
1: podcast. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. But we
2: did mention, or she did mention that she's got a new album coming out and it just dropped. It's entitled Melody. It was produced by Andrew Horrocks, who was also our guest just yeah. a number of weeks ago. That's and right. So if you get a chance to check that out, you can get all the details at swanisha.com or just do a search for her on Spotify or wherever you get your music. The album is entitled Melody.
1: That's awesome. I can't wait to hear that.
2: Yeah, so, uh, there's that and uh, if you've got anything going on that you would like us to let all of our listeners know you can write into the show you can hit us up on social media or email us at between the grooves at faithstrongtoday.com amazing it is time to get to our conversation with
1: none other than John Corbin oh my gosh John Corbin He is uh, an award-winning hip-hop and spoken word artist. Actually, recently, he's put out a bunch of instrumental albums, which are incredible, definitely check them out. And he is a father of five, he's my neighbor, he is an amazing mentor to so many people. And he's a part of my Personic Creative Collective, which is a bunch of musicians who uh, try to do their best to help others, but also help each other as we try to grow in this music industry. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages. (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's go between the grooves with my boy, Mr. John Corbin. Good morning. Hey, 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 Mr. Corbin. How you doing, baby? This famous number. Come on now. Come on now. You know that phone number? I've called it a time
2: or two. Hi, I'd like to make a request.
1: Yeah 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 yeah. Johnny, we have James Curtis on the line with me as well. James, it's nice to meet you.
2: Nice to meet you too, John. I've heard lots about you and can I say Drew and I have wanted to have you on the show. Oh man. For <laughs> since the beginning, honestly.
1: Yeah, since literally since literally. Like since we the
2: were we, the fir- before our first episode was ever broadcast, we were rhyming through on, you know, who could we have on onto this podcast and your name was in the, you know, in the top 10 at least. And uh, I can't believe that we haven't chatted before now.
0: <laughs> I feel the same way, although I totally understand it because our schedules just don't align. yeah, yeah uh, I, I'm a high school teacher, and uh, so I'm yeah, I'm working when you record, and then when I'm available, you're often on vacation, so <laughs> that's the way it's been,
1: I guess so. So in the last little bit you've uh, dropped something a little bit different. You've done the instrumental thing, the mixtape, the beat tape. So I'm curious about like um where did that sort of drive come from in terms of, like the desire to do that? And it's great. I mean, they're they're they sound great, they feel great. I'm curious like uh like what like what's the why?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. The why is um my own sort of mental health journey. I do have five kids, I have they're ages 5 to 11. Um, I had two kids, and then we went for a third, and we got uh, what I call the bulk discount. That's <laughs> three at once.
1: That's right.
0: A triple shot. That's what they call it That's in radio, right. a triple yeah. shot. A yeah. triple yeah. shot. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't sure if you guys had you know, fallen on the floor or anything like that. No, no
1: we're good, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. You got the hat trick. I got it's, you. Okay. And,
2: and, and we, we appreciate that dramatic effect that you left for us as the well. It was oh,
0: so I've, I've told this story before. Yeah. Um, I also moved into a teaching space uh in an alternative school with students that struggle quite a lot um and so that, that requires a lot of energy um creative thinking problem solving um and and each day is completely different and can be quite wearing and so to to have those days and then come home to a house full of kids you know uh You know, when when we had the babies, we had five kids, five and under in the house, Um, and then the toddler years, like it was just a lot. And so I've been very, I've learned a lot more about staying in tune with my mental health uh, and my wellness and well being. And what I found is that my life's so full about the information I'm reading and prepping for my job, or dealing with my kids, or dealing with the issues in the world like uh, all of these things that sort of left me wanting in terms of listening to music Hmm. um i wound up only listening to instrumental music um as a point of relaxation uh and and calming so you know we're often influenced by the music that we listen to and there's you know certainly hip-hop that i enjoy that i can't reproduce but this is something i'm like this is giving me a lot of peace i wonder if i can express myself similarly. And so um, I started experimenting with making instrumental music. And the first beat tape that I worked on was called Still Winter. And it was designed in mind, right, to help me with a feeling of what winter feels like and see if I could re- reproduce that. And, and, what is, wanted, and
2: what does winter feel like for you? Because it doesn't feel great for me. I'm not a big winter yeah. fan, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so what I thought about was like the best the best experiences I have in winter I'm not a winter fan either but I love going to walk and so calling it still winter to me is envisioning walking in the uh, early morning or late at night in the wintertime, time when the sort of bustle of the day is over just observing the stillness around and uh I, I don't know why in the winter i look up in the sky more often mm-hmm.
2: um, so guess, so the the part i'm confused yeah. about is you said still winter and and what you're saying is the stillness of winter and i'm and i was looking at the title as in oh it's still winter
0: it's both James. okay okay both. <laughs> that's the rapper in me right i got to put in okay. a couple meanings Yep, um, i'm good with that yeah so so there was i think the first one actually was me sampling um an artist um, what's his name I was sitting by my my big window at the front of my house and I just grabbed this song and I said oh what's his name uh, Drew Brown yeah that's right <laughs> who um, was who, who that sorry yeah well you might not have heard of him he's uh, a really prolific guy um, but kind of stays in the underground so it's understandable okay so little know that's that that's well. right, that's
2: little right. known artist named Drew Brown known, yeah, okay, yeah I like
0: right. that I like yeah. how not a little guy yeah um yeah, and so, you know, the song like just it was it was sort of looking at this winter landscape and then listening to the song and and chopping it up and adding a beat to it and it's like, oh, this really works. Um, and so yeah, then I just thought of more like thinking about the emotion within the music, what does it feel like? Um so yeah, so then I put that out in January and then I was going to do uh, you know, I did winter, so I'm gonna do spring, summer, fall. And then we had this uh, pandemic, and suddenly, and it, and it was winter
2: all over again. <laughs> all over again. <laughs> no and doubt,
0: I'm stuck in my house with my kids all the time. But my job has come home as well. Um, my wife is in healthcare, so she's you know a frontline worker. Still, um, she's a midwife, so she's delivering babies, and and uh, my life turned very very different. Um, and so, what I started to do was. In the, in, uh, the after hours of parenting, like when the kids go to bed, I started to sit and experiment with music and sounds and, and sort of collage, putting them together to express these different feelings. So the next song I had was, or the next beat tape I had was called Nothing is Normal. And it was just like, how do I feel? And so, yeah, so it was really this year. And then I put out a third one most recently called Keep Moving Forward, which is a good response to where we're going in the, in the sort of pandemic and social civil rights movement, um, but it also feels like summer. It's like looking for looking for hope. Yeah, so those, that's the why I'm responding to the times because things hurt.
1: <laughs> that's beautiful, and I think it's it's funny how, as usual, I find this a lot with you whenever we hang out. Our stories sort of like overlap in many ways because I did my instrumental uh, album w- with the same thing. Like I have thoughts and feelings. And I don't have the, for me, I didn't have the mental capacity to actually put words to it. But I Mm -hmm. wanted to, I wanted to paint like an instrumental, emotional, Soundscape for people. And I did that a lot through my walks in my neighborhoods late at night or early mm. in the morning. Um, and as I would bump into sometimes the same people on their jogs, I would actually say, okay, so I, he, he said that he was super stressed. What would help him? Cause I know I'm like full of stress yeah. and anxiety. And so I would like take these stories and take these thoughts and take, um, these, these moments of conversations as I bump into people early in the morning and late at night and begin to sort of create songs that would help them slash me um, just through the tension of life and that was a great sort of way to kind of start and I'm still doing it I'm hopefully going to release something at some point but I think that's a really cool that like you started in a very very similar fashion like I need the, what are the songs that I need to hear right now um, just Ooh. to soothe my own soul because yeah. I know it will soothe the, the souls of others
0: I think I'd be remiss if I didn't cite you as an influence, um, because I remember in the fall of last year, the fall of 2019, listening to your, um, solos from solitude. That's right. I called it right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That album. Um, that was, uh, yeah, that was really key for me. Um, and watching you sort of experiment, it definitely was fuel for me to consider how um, how I could respond. And then some of that is during James, I just ran out of words. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know,
2: I do that I'm all making, the time on the air. You do not. <laughs> you definitely never do
0: that. <laughs> I'm making decisions for my kids and yeah. dealing with heavy stuff at work and trying to support my wife. And uh, and I just, yeah, I didn't have that like free bouncy feeling that, um, that I need a lot of the time. Yeah. Or, yeah, that free creative feeling to to, to write raps. That's right. So I needed to respond.
1: Like I was, I don't know who I was talking to or what I read. I, don't know, I can't remember what it was, but but I remember the quote because I've been using it all the time. It was, um, I didn't foresee how much this pandemic would affect my writing. Um, cause I have more time on my hands, but I have less imagination and that's more time, less imagination. Do you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I can write all day, but my imagination just because of the way things are. They feel like they're just like, I, it feels not, not even dry. Like I, um, I'm going to use certain words here, but mm. I feel like creatively constipated. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's stuff yeah. there. There are things there. I know there are things there. There are, t- there are stories and songs upon stories and songs ready to come out, ready for the laxative to take place. <laughs> but, but for some reason, they're stuck there. It's like a big yeah. wall, big dam. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's pandemic life. But you. that 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 explains a lot to me because I would have expected
2: for songwriters that during the course of the three four months when people are stuck at home, that they would be just you know taking that that you huge think. amount of time to be writing stuff you and why aren't you, right? So much
0: stress, no. so
1: much anxiety, so much anyway, that's, that's for yeah, me. That's it.
0: And, and someone framed it for me uh, early in the, in the quarantine about this being a season of grief. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what was interesting is that that had to be framed and explained to me so it wasn't clear. You know, what was I losing? Well, oh. actually quite a lot. I lost a lot. And I think we all did, but it was not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if we're if we're an extended family and our grandparent dies, there's a point of focus. I mean, grief in general can spread out to any type of loss. So death of one person can spark, uh, you know, grief for you about something else. But we didn't have something concentrated. Um, there wasn't, you know, there, yeah, we didn't, uh, you know, um, the months prior to quarantine, Kobe Bryant passed away. Yeah, that's right. And that was you know that's a focal point and it, it made it made me think about a lot about my parenting and about you know my fandom and you know what is you know you know i don't want to dive into it but um that's a focal point we didn't have that we all just lost different stuff and we didn't even know a lot of us that um we could grieve it because you know people were dying and people and you know we're entering this unprecedented war zone life period that Our generation had the experience, so yeah, it's taken. And and so entering this as a season of grief um, has been, uh, yeah, even even having it framed that way, I still had to keep going, keep with the family, keep with the job, but just yeah, like some people had more time, I had no time. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was in the same boat. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but then somehow I would sit, uh, you know, after hours and and make stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the period, uh, this grief period. And if I can share something, I've, I've not shared this on the morning show. I've not shared it on between the grooves at all. This is this is you know late breaking if you want to call it that, but I just it was personal. I didn't really want to uh, make a big deal of it. Uh, my father passed away. Uh, in recent oh, wow. weeks, and uh, I didn't, you know, mention anything online about it or anything. That's it's, it's it, you know, it's it was it was an interesting time. He he did not pass away from COVID nineteen. He had mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Uh, he had you know issues where in the end he really couldn't keep food down, and so there was a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, I the reason why I bring it up is because you're talking about grief, and my sister in law mentioned to me right before the funeral, and this was a an interesting. Funeral as well, because only uh, at the time only ten people were allowed to physically attend the funeral, including okay. including the minister. So it was a very small group. My wife couldn't yeah. go. You know, my in fact, none of my sister in laws or my wife were able to go. It was just us uh, to the grandchildren, and then two of my dad's siblings that were there, plus the minister. And my sister in law right before the funeral, or maybe it was right after. I can't remember because everything's kind of a blur. But what she said was, you know, you and your brothers, me and my brothers. Have, have essentially been grieving for the last year and a half already. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, the reason why she said that and, and the reason why it's so true is because he had Alzheimer's. So uh, he didn't know who we were in the end. He didn't have a clue who we were when we were visiting. And so over the course of the last year and a half, as he was remembering less and we were visiting him, um, you know, we were kind of already letting go, if you know what I mean. And so now you're talking about. You know, COVID nineteen being stuck at home and this whole grieving period—it's like—and you mentioned the fact that everybody's grief is different. Mm -hmm. That hit home to me. Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I've heard. I mean, sociology is my um, uh, my initial discipline of studying, and that difference between expected death and unexpected death—it's so big for the grief grieving period. because, yeah like it's been pointed out to you or framed for you, that's been something that you've been going through yeah um and it impacts it has impacted your it could be your day to day living or it could be your conscious or subconscious existence, like rolling you know thinking through all this stuff and unpacking and processing it while going through your day to day life and only a handful of people really knowing what you're what you're dealing with yeah um I think for myself, I hit a wall in June that surprised me because I knew this was grief, but I wasn't, you know, and, and I say June, George Floyd had already passed. George Floyd, you know, had already died and the world was changing again in the span of months. And I'm sitting there thinking about what COVID has taken because I hadn't made space for that prior um you know, stuff that related to my job or to my family um and all of those things i minimized because um i hadn't been directly affected by the virus or the illness um and so I, I you know out of maybe a, a fault like respect or maybe a false sense of respect i'm not sure i just minimized those things in my head that yeah i was sad that i would not get to interact with certain students or finish these programs i was doing the work with things I cared about that were part of my day-to-day existence that I just sort of ignored. And then it all sort of came spilling out. Um, And like, you know, Drew will tell you too, like as artists, we're processing things. Mm -hmm. We need to have that sort of free flow of emotion and processing. Otherwise we do get constipated. I'm really thankful that I've been able to sort of flip that energy into making instrumental music. and really hope that that leads to words either in music or, you know, I started to do some writing again, um, writing some like think pieces and responses to our time. Um, that, I'm thankful for that that stuff, but it didn't come until I started, you know, processing the grief that I was feeling.
1: A while ago, I guess it was maybe in April, I think it was on Facebook. I was writing, um, I had this brief like moment of clarity and I was able to write some music and I started writing a bunch of movements on based on grief and the cycle of grief. And, Mm. um, and I, I remember posting something on Facebook where I said, the worst, one of the worst things about COVID is is not the fact that we're, you know, shutting our homes. It's that as the year progresses, we will continually be hit by another wave of grief. So you think yeah. about uh, kids going to camp. Boom. Grief. Yeah. Um, vacations. Boom. Uh, birthdays. Yeah. Boom. Um, family get-togethers. Boom. Like, there's going to be a... Cont- things might get better, sure, but they'll never be the same. And so mm-hmm. we'll always get hit by waves of grief over and over and over again, and that is going to take a toll. Sorry, let me let me rephrase that. That might take a toll on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I already know. There's a bunch of friends that I have, um, musicians and artists. Where their mental health struggle has been the worst it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, where a few have taken their lives, a few have of uh, they're ready to get, you know admit themselves into the hospital. You know, like it's mm-hmm. they're at their lowest point in their lives. And it's just like life is hard already, let alone in this season. And so the I think uh, sometimes we don't take grief seriously. Oh, you know, we we tend to sort of like be more sympathetic or empathetic when it comes to yes, a, a, a death of a loved one or maybe a death of a marriage, but sometimes it could just be as simple as I won't see my family. Yeah. I, I won't yeah. see them for a year. I mean, it's a year, but that still carries a lot of hurt and pain and grief. Sure. That's still real. And that's still that, that, that leaves a mark, especially in a pandemic. And so it's interesting how, I don't know, just how life in the heart works. And I think as you get older, you're
2: going to experience more
1: of that. Totally. You know, it's not going to get, oh, oh, it's totally. not going to get quote unquote better. No, it's just, you know? but because of the pandemic, it's just now a lot of things all at once. Yeah. It's under the Microsoft, <laughs> yeah. Uh, microscope. Yeah. Microscope. Yeah yeah yeah. 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 Oh man. You know, okay. Um, let me, let me switch gears real quick because um, speaking of grief, um, you, you and I, we're both, um, uh, we're both kind of like champions when it comes to, um, not champions, we champion social justice. We're all about like, how can we fight for diversity and equality? Mm-hmm. Um and so, uh, JK and I have been having tons of conversations about this. I mean, and, and everybody has. This is tis the season. It um, <laughs> is the season. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it is. We right? wish you a Merry Christmas Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but th- this is it. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of great things happening um, around the world, a lot of beautiful things, a lot of great mo- uh, movements. Um, but also, there's a, again, there's a whole lot of grief and a whole lot of anger. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it, talking about, for now, let's talk about music specifically. A while ago, JK and I were talking about like a racism in in the CCM genre and well inequality or equality I suppose would be the better sure that's true I think yeah sure but I I think um, for this conversation let's sort of because I mean like man. Sexual inequality is huge in every music genre, but that's a larger conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but let's for focus on, on race for a second. Um, I think we're talking about like uh, for me, I've definitely seen it, I've definitely um, have witnessed it, I've felt it, I have seen other people go through the ringer. I've had some of my favorite artists whisper to me like, "It's a big deal. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise." You know, and, mm-hmm. and these are these are white. CCM artists, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm curious about your perspective, um, especially, yeah, you know, because I'm a host of a podcast, my friend JK. It'd be good to have someone who um, sort of has a different voice than I. Uh, what are your thoughts on... Um, and let's be, for the sake of a conversation, let's be specific to Canada, if you can. Sure. Um, let's talk about Canadian racism issues in this genre, CCM. Go. <laughs> I know, I know that's that's a lot, dude. I'm I'm sorry for for putting no. on the spot like that, but I no, mean, no, i I'm not. I know you have thoughts. I know you would have some ideas and some some good things I have to say. <laughs> <I have
0: socks. laughs> <laughs> well, so I reached out uh, to you at the pod after listening to that episode, that prior episode. Yeah. Um, and I was heated, and I really wanted to like take time. Like you, t- you just talked about grief, and I, you know, I wrote, you know, on, you know, on my, I don't know, call it a blog, I don't know. I wrote like I don't understand grief enough. Hmm. I'll say that. So this was like forced me to understand grief, and that was like COVID related. That was not even understanding, you know, just the sort of wave of high profile uh, cases of of murders of you know black bodies. Right. Um, that's a different kind of grief and it's a, it's a connectivity that I wish Canadians understood. Um, but that will have us down a different road. Um, so I listened to that episode and then I actually spent half an hour walking around my house, muttering to myself in response. Like if I was in this conversation right now, I'd say this and I'd say this and I'd say this. And I really wanted to let that get out before I wrote anything or, um, or responded. And, um, You know, the first thing I thought of is that, you know, the dialogue you guys had was based on this YouTube comment. James, why are you reading the YouTube comments, my man? <laughs> 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 Cardinal sin number one. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's wow. That's a that's a good point, right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, me too. Actually, um, I, I, you know, I'm playing, but I understood, <laughs> like, I understood James where you said like you took offense to this, and, and I, I really wanted to sit with that because, um, you know, I, I I've known Drew for a bit and really have wanted to to get to know you as well. Just to be able to sit and ask like questions about, you know, if you understand that you take offense to it, what is that poking at you? What is that poking within you? And I guess it's, I've learned over the years that I wanted to sort of cultivate curious questions about anger or defensiveness, especially when it comes to the idea of race, because you know, within my circle in education. I've had some really productive dialogue with all kinds of um, educators about how we make spaces more equitable or how we listen to stories to make sure we're not excluding any. Um, but I've also had a lot of defensiveness. And so you start to read that playbook a little bit and you can see when somebody's getting irks about the, just the suggestion that there's inequality. Um, can I ask, James, like, have you had some time to reflect on it? What was it about that? comment that poked at you so much that you sort of brought that defense to the podcast
2: episode well, so, just so we're clear so the comment is the statement that someone said they uh they felt that um generally speaking the ccm industry was racist yeah is that what you're saying like yes. the,
0: the most yeah the comment was like the most racist and sexist,
2: truly wrong. Right, right. Yes. So, I guess for me, um, I, I, I mean, I believe racism exists everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think necessarily that racism is a, is um, is um, rampant rampant as much as there are specific individuals that are racist. And when the comment is made about CCM music in general, uh, you know, again, looking at it from from my perspective, being in, in radio, playing music, and again, specifically to the CCM genre, not other genres, because yeah. I, one of the things that we talked about was the... the um, boxes you know uh you know so you got the ccm box you've got the the gospel box and you know i could look at the gospel box and say well you know and if you want to specifically talk about race which i was trying not to get too involved in that in a conversation that's the reason why i was trying to bring the equality part of it right but when you look specifically at, at race there's not a lot of white gospel artists and so you could say the same thing about the the gospel music uh um, box, if you want to call it that, but mm-hmm. when I look at the CCM box specifically, um, I see you know many uh, black artists um, you know in the CCM world. I play their music on the radio. Aaron mm-hmm. Cole, uh, Terrian, Jamie Grace, Aisha Woods, uh, Jasmine Murray, Mandisa. Mm-hmm. Um, talking Canadian, Chelsea Amber, Swanisha, uh, Nicole C. Mullen. Uh, you know, so I see many, many artists like that. So I'm looking at it from the perspective that I see many, uh, if you want to talk specifically racism, I see a lot of black artists already in the CCM world. And so when I see people complaining about the fact that they don't perhaps see enough, then I get to the point where I'm thinking, okay, is that, is that resentment? Is that jealousy? Is that, you know, somebody being envious? because that mm-hmm. again I'm not I'm not the artist trying to get into that but maybe the artist that's trying to get into that feels that because they're not included um, they're they're blaming you know they're they're pinning the blame or, or just curb Blanc saying it's racism when maybe it's not
0: yeah yeah okay that's perfect that that frames that has gives me a better understanding of where you are coming from and then like and then I think I think there's folks like you as music directors and and yeah, the music directors and and people of your ilk so you would say like they're not skewing the system at all. Like like what I heard you say in your response was like sometimes you hear a song and you say, man, this fits the CCM format so well, and then you go, oh shoot, they're indigenous. I didn't even know. Right. Right. And so that's like what a what a pleasant surprise because that's even more. Um, you know, diversity, um, or it's, 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 it's visible diversity. Yeah, I was gonna right. say
1: visible, not, yeah. not 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 musically.
0: And, and that and right. that shouldn't
2: matter. Like it doesn't matter I, I, from my perspective. I don't I don't care what you look like. I don't care what um, you know what what ethnic background you have. don't no, no, no. what country I mean, you're from right. or anything like that. Right, I, right, right. You know.
0: Yeah. yeah. So now I would I would pa- now we want to say okay I'll say this but then we'll stick to Canada. I would posit that. Within a North American CCM system, there are music directors that do care about that kind of Yes, stuff.
1: there is, for sure, um,
0: for sure. And so, and so that that's obviously a concern, um, just you know, from my heart <laughs> and, sure. the, and the artists yep. that are at work. Um, but in Canada, I, I i do under I do understand I do understand that. And something else that you had mentioned, which is like the plight of radio, is like serving your audience, or if an audience is listener support it. And so one of the questions I wrote down after listening to the episode was, how does radio reconcile the idea of serving their audience when it's possible that their audience is racist? That's something I don't have an answer to. And I don't
1: I don't think I have an answer to that
0: either. I I
1: have some thoughts on that. Shoot, Um, It's not not an answer. Like one thing that I would like to see, um, like in in. In another life, I would love to sort of have my own radio station because I would love what I would love to see is what would happen if, uh, especially Canadian radio, and specifically like. I'll say this: um, JK is really great when he sets up playlists. It's a really solid mix. There are a few stations in Canada that actually do a really great mix, where it's not just all. I'm using air quotes. White CCM. Yep. He's one of those people. It's it's very multicultural, both in sound and in terms of um, um, uh, sorry, minority, yeah, visual well, it, minorities. It, ahead, sure. Sorry.
2: And if I can say when when because I'm also the music director of the radio station and the Christian radio station in Toronto. So, can I say? I don't let the program dictate yeah. what music is being played. I override all the time because I want the mix to be good. That's cool.
1: That's mm-hmm. good. And that's great. So, okay. So imagine this. Imagine what would look like, like for other stations. And this one too. I mean, I think everybody could do it. If they actually did like focus groups to see what people actually wanted to yes. hear. I think doing that would definitely have, the, in the same way that movies do that with like kind of like, what do you guys want to see what do you guys want to see what kind of people do we have in our I think that would actually create a larger more robust um select selection of music perhaps mm-hmm. um and also I can't remember we had a guest on before I can't remember who it was and now I feel really bad but we're talking about cancon jk remember that um <sighs> And we're and, talk- Andrew Horrocks? It was Andrew Horrocks. Thank okay, you so yeah. much. So we're talking oh, with go. Andrew Horrocks, the producer, an amazing man, the sweetest guy in the world. Um, and he was like, man, it would be great if we can bump up you know, 5%, you know, Con, and instead of like 10 or 15, it'd be 20. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what would happen if we did like 40. Yeah. Because I think that's what secular radio does. And I could be wrong. Someone please fact check that for me. I should have done that well, before. Every, every
2: that. license is different. Oh, okay. I'm but, sorry. But in, but in mainstream secular radio, yes, the percentage historically has been higher right. but as as um as licenses are renewed with the CRTC they've some of them have lowered the cancon requirement
1: there we go i, I have a like love and hate relationship with cancon but one of the things i do love about it is that uh, the wider that gap is the more we can see proper like representation on our playlists
0: yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah. especially in the way that it connects to our context right that's like, right exactly there's already, you know, I was on a, I was on a podcast talking about the history of the lack of infrastructure for, uh, cost, excuse me, urban <laughs> Canadian artists, right? And how, yeah, there's such a such a great um, wealth, especially for my generation, the the, the folks that influence me, like. Uh, in hip hop like Cardinal yes, and yes. and Socrates and uh, Rascals and, yes. yeah, and, and and I put Julie Black in there as well like for R&B but, yes. and they all had to go elsewhere
1: yeah that's right
0: on, they all had to go elsewhere there was no structure for them to elevate to some kind of prominence worthy of their gifting um, so,
1: yeah, in their own country
0: yeah in their own country and so we miss out and so it would be the same thing um, within a Christian market, is that you know we have different things to say about race or gender equality or yeah. you name it. Like yeah. we have different things to say, uh, even you know, and framing and how the gospel impacts uh, our, our our society. And I think sometimes we pass the ball a lot to the the market, um, yeah. which is dominated by. America. And then it has different ideas about race and equality. That's good. Um, That's good. So, yeah. So the idea about, you know, so, so the biggest question I walked away with, again, curious questions might not have the answers. I heard, like, I heard James talk about like his perspective and what he does. And I go, that's cool, um, or I shouldn't say cool, but dismissively. That's great work. And I'm not sure what happened. I'm using my yes and instead of my yeah but. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, <laughs> and you're a teacher. <laughs> I'm trying. That's good. Uh, it's good. Uh, and I'm not sure what's happening in the system overall because I, I took myself out of the narrative a long time ago. Right. Because of this, my concern And it's a larger concern, but it's a one around respectability politics. Um, And maybe that's too big of a heading for it. But what I think about is that I understand with a CCM sound, that might actually go, that might be diametrically opposed to the authentic sound that I need to have to reach my genre. So it's not always the case, but I want to talk to some artists. What does it take for me to sound authentically hip-hop? And true to the culture, can I do that and still get played on CCM radio? Probably not.
2: But you just but- you just said the hip hop genre. I mean, the, the genre is the box that we were talking about. You've got yeah. CCM, that's a genre. You've got gospel, that's a genre. It's a, it's a genre within a genre. Right when you talk about the Christian
1: world, but it is a separate genre, and that's my biggest problem. CCM is that yes. uh, I think. Oh man, I should have listened to the podcast. Um, I think. Well, you were I, in it. I, I, <laughs> I, I think. I think. Like I said, like twenty years ago, uh, CCM was pretty much Tomlin and Lincoln Brewster, and that's a you know, yes. white guy with a guitar. And now it's it's like it's white guy. Generally speaking, it's white guy with a big hat and a guitar. It hasn't hasn't changed much, but they've in, incorporated more soulful electronic sounds um, and. So the gap is a lot wider, uh, not whiter, but wider. Yeah. Um, so there's more space and mo- uh, room to move. So there's tons of gr- these amazing young black kids coming up, doing some great stuff, and it, they're soulful and f- like R and B influenced, but they're still within the parameters um, of the CCM world. Yes. Yeah. That still sucks. Um, because, because what what we're missing is contemporary Christian music. Essentially, is contemporary. Give me a better word than Christian. Uh, contemporary white ish music. Okay. D- do you know what I'm saying? Like we're still in yeah. that box. We're still there because yeah. If you do hip hop, for instance, unless you're Toby Mac, yeah. right? Um, oh, what about um, all those Lecrae. but what about in all Lecrae, those in Lecrae thank you yeah, yeah, yeah totally right what about all about. About those artists that I that I mentioned that's totally cool but, but they're within they're playing they're creating music within that box which is fine yeah there's nothing wrong with people creating music in that box that's good for them but I think what hap- what happens to these amazing kids who are doing I shouldn't say kids I, I, I feel old today that's why I'm saying kids sure. um, these these incredible people who are making music that leans closer to the hip-hop world right but and their message is grounded in, in in the things that we believe in is there space for them in the CCM marketplace
0: so so James I think that when you talk about radio and you talk about boxes, I get it because that's the system that we're in. Totally. There are times where I have a problem with the box for this. And it's not about radio. That's right. It's about the spiritual. That's what I was saying before. It's not like. like, Yeah, you said. You're good, man. You're
1: good, but it's, yeah, something bigger than that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you said, and Drew, you said on that episode, you talked about how it's the biggest genre. It's the biggest box. It gets the most money. It gets the most infrastructure. It unintentionally or intentionally elevates it as most important. Yes. And when that space is homogenous spiritually, we miss out. Yes. We miss out on um, we miss out on the different expressions that show the differences of who got it. I yes. think that from the church, the biggest what the biggest issue we have when the the, the, the the issue that we have when it comes to race is that when we don't add multiple stories to the narrative we miss out on seeing the, the various sides of God, who God is. And so we're actually um, impoverished. We are, we're missing out on so much about, um, about who God is and that allows us to see the fullness of, of God's creation. So that has nothing to do with radio. But for me, I just have this like, oh, it just kind of gets under my skin where it's like, you know, like I understand that people's preferences work towards this certain box. But his, but what about historically when drums were vilified, oh, yeah. or like what about our history in the church where we just don't like drums, yeah, that's right? right? And like that's I'm right. a drummer, I grew up drumming in the church, and how those things need to be controlled and soft and not noisy. Well, you know what gospel music is noisy. So we're going to have this uh, we're going to have this difference of opinion or preference. But if we don't engage uh, as a whole. Like, as a whole body, then we're just missing out. Now, that doesn't mean to me that's not a radio question. That's right. But I, but I understand this idea of more of like respectability politics. We'll like you if you look and sound a bit more like us. That's right. If you sound like us, then we'll accept you. But like, man, I, I would be happy to make you a CCM single and take your money. But what I really want to do is reach people who respond to the authentic expression of hip-hop I would like the church to champion that you don't necessarily have to bump my music on your radio but you don't even know I exist and I've been out here for 15 years in Canada working with churches and working with um, with the general market and like really walking a fine line so it's like when 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 CCM has this Um, specific box that I have to fit in and I can't bring myself authentically to the table, it just makes me sad. And it's like, I'm the one that has to change for you to know that I exist. But like, I'm out here working so hard, putting out music while dealing with my five children to try and bless a world whose young culture is all about hip-hop. But the church won't hear a lick of that because I um, I don't get played on CCM.
2: Okay. I understand what you're saying, John. I, I really do. My question to you, what makes that a race issue? I, I'm hearing genre. I'm hearing, I'm hearing the difference between hip hop and CCM. I'm hearing the difference between CCM and gospel. That's what I'm hearing. I'm not hearing a race thing here.
0: Right. Um, I, think it, I think when you look at like, when I say like homogenous spaces, then, with, then we're talking about um, certain people groups that fit into certain boxes. Um, you know, I think ideally, I, like, you know, under the kingdom of God, these walls get torn down. Um, it is not then this idea, it might not, it, The people might want to argue it's not necessarily a race issue, um, but with the world now examining, is there racism in our systems, in government, in teaching, in policing, in the church? Is CCM really exempt? <laughs> Is this the only bastion,
2: obviously, bro. Well, are, are we talking? Are we talking racism or systematic systematic racism? That's two different things.
0: Yeah, and I would say mo- I'm thinking more about the system. I'm thinking more about sort of that the church, you know, that we haven't been able to acknowledge how we how we have villainized or demonized um, expressions outside of a European expression, right? Like what? Like, can we go and examine what is it about the indigenous culture that we thought so savage that we needed to, you know, erect systems of cultural genocide? Right. What is it about the African drum that is so foul and heinous that it, uh, it, it gets trodden on in, um, in literature? But the tradition of that drum follows us all the way through jazz, blues, um, gospel and hip hop. And those expressions barely eke their way into the traditional church. Like, it. I don't think that I don't think our our history is divorced from our current expression, but if you bring it up, that's a really difficult conversation to have. You yeah. know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation, and and again, when you when you talk about the difference between systematic racism and racism, it's interesting because I had someone recently tell me what their what they believe, and and it's probably an accurate uh, difference between the two. Racism uh, obviously is something against a particular. Uh, i 'll say people group if i can use, mm-hmm. if, I, if i can be that's vague fine. if that's I can be here. vague enough with that, and then systematic ra- racism would be the same thing but add power to it yeah yeah um, and and, and that 's why and that 's why I say you know when we do go back to that whole conversation about cCM is there racism in the cCM I believe there are racist people in ccm don 't get me wrong i believe there 's racism uh people that are racist in various um you know, organizations, whether it be police or government and and schools and whatever else, I, I believe there is that. Um, I, but I it, specifically in CCM, now, not 20 years ago, now, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think again, and and I say this, and I qualify this by talking about the genre, not not the not you know race. I'm talking about genre. From my perspective, I see uh, not necessarily inequality. Um, because because then it's more than just race; it's also about you know men versus women and everything else. But yeah. I certainly see um, a wide range of types of people in the CCM world, uh, and and then when you compare it against say the gospel genre, it's not as prevalent. And what and what I mean is is you know again we're talking race. There's a lot of black artists in the gospel world in the gospel genre yeah, yeah, in yeah. that box and I think it would be hard for a a white guy like
1: me to get into that. Oh my god. You know what I'm saying? You guys stop using that example, man. <laughs> but but no,
2: but 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 again, but again I'm I'm trying to talk about, you know, racism
1: versus genre cuz I think it's two separate things. And that's fair. I I think I <sighs> so like in my now mind you i haven't been in nashville in a couple of years and i haven't talked to anybody in labels in in that exact same time as well and so the people that i know who are kind of in charge the presidents of these labels these are the nicest people ever they're super great so i, I have no issues with them and i think they want to change the system cuz they know they've known what the system has been like for the last x amount of years um but there is still something and going back to the whole ccm thing man, there's this young guy um, who is coming up the ranks. I think he just got signed to Curb Records. He's a, he's a young black guy. He's like in his early 20s. Um, and when you look at him, you're thinking, oh yeah, this guy's going to bring the goods. And his music's fantastic. Um, but it's very, very CCM. It's in that box. And I remember having conversations with people saying, hey man, you can do whatever you want as long as you're within that box. Yeah. yeah. And so there is some things I don't I don't have the language, John. I'm sure you do. Um, I don't have the language about what that box means when it comes to um, working with people of color. But essentially, what's happening is just a stripping away of any kind of cultural heritage. It's yeah. It is. I had oh, I remember talking to someone about um, Black Panther, and Black Panther came out, and he was like, "Great movie." One of my favorite. I loved it. It was so yeah. good. So good. And I remember uh, he walked out of the theater and he was like, man, that was like really black. And I was like, well, excuse me? Like, w- 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 what, do you, what do you mean by that? It's like, that like, it was like a little bit too much. I'm like, so you know that it was a movie based? <laughs> like, like <laughs> do you understand what the content? And it's almost like CCM is saying, you know what? Your music's too black. Mm-hmm. Can you make mm-hmm. it more white? I don't know if that's racism. Maybe it is. I need I need better language around that. I need it's a sound. I need, I need, I need a it, better. CCM is a sound. But that feels like it feels like you someone saying hey 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 bro hey sis hey whatever gender you you are in. like yeah. um don't be you, yeah. be me. And that's yeah. the problem. It, it reminds me of, and please, I know I'm gonna get in trouble for this. I'm, I'm gonna get in so much trouble for this. I'm so sorry. It reminds me of um, my First Nation siblings when the residential schools came up, and they're like, "Hey, man, be less you, be more yeah. white." Yeah, that's a terrible example. That's a hurt. That's a har, That's a harsh example. But that's what it felt like. When I would hear these things over and over again, oh, my friends would feel yeah. these things over and over again. But but if and you so, what is that? Like what what is, what, what? Label that for me. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying you, JK. Right right. I'm just actually asking a question. Like w- w- like what is that? So so Drew, you be you. Yeah. And if you aren't CCM, that's fine. And that's but but the thing is is that like because they are the gatekeepers, it's kind of like yeah. if you want this. You need to play this game.
2: Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Drew. But the, the 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 problem I have with that is, if you are a um um a country singer, okay, if sure. you're a country singer, sure, and and you're getting upset that you we're not playing your your song isn't being included in the CCM world, then maybe you should have a look back and and determine why. The reason why is because it's not CCM. It's not the CCM sound right it's just it's like a, gospel and hip-hop and everything
1: else and I think and I, I don't know if, uh, John if you remember this this band there was a band called mute math I know they, I don't think they ever yeah. got any radio play whatsoever um, Basically because of who they were they were like those of you who don't know who are listening who don't know mute math they came up actually originally as um, a band called Earth suit and then they morphed they actually did like a short little worship album uh, they got they um, they started working on these great songs it was a mixture of like DJ shadow and Bjork and the police and, and the police yeah. right like it's amazing Amazing stuff, but they're always a little bit too edgy for CCM. They're always too edgy, and they try, edgy. Do you know what I'm saying? And and for me, they're one of the best bands in the market, but they're too edgy mm-hmm. for CCM. Now, people can people can say, "Well, look at these guys. They had amazing songs, amazing band, amazing vocalist, amazing production, but they weren't CCM." Drew. That wasn't racism. They're all white, right? And that's fair. Right. That's fair.
0: The fact but, that
2: they were amazing doesn't disqualify them from the fact that they were amazing.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. No, but, it's more. It's more about the box. It's, you know, I'm reminded of the um, this, this Canadian movie called The Trotsky. Um, oh. <laughs> and they don't, yes, and yes. it so, talks about teaching, right? And it's about this, uh, you know, this nonconformist uh, young man that has to go to a Montreal public high school, <laughs> and he uh, he stirs up the students to organize into a student union. Like I have a student bill of rights and that kind of thing, like rebelling against the oppressive system that school is. And, uh, it is, you know, a key scene where one of the students, not the main character is trying to inspire his other students. And they said, and, and he's got a group of, of uh, his peers there. And he said, school sucks, but yeah, we know it sucks. But he says, should it suck? Right. Should it suck. And it's just a question. I question, I, I know the system, I know the boxes, I question the boxes. Um, I question the boxes because of how it limits our view of who God is and how we see other people. If the CCM sound is one where it's going to be a majority of European-centric expression with multicultural artists who make music that appeases that European expression, mm-hmm. and so be it. Because I'm not sitting here bitter at all that I don't have a spot in that space. I'm actually concerned for our spirit, and I'm actually concerned that um, to keep the box or to keep the status quo is to is to not is to not be anti-racist. That's the thing. We can we can say is is CCM Radio racist? The answer might be no. Is it anti-racist? This is the new paradigm. This How do we paradigm. help our audience understand diversity in ways that will impact them as followers of Jesus? And that is way, that's a much different um, responsibility and goal than serving um, our listener base. But it's one that could make, a, it's riskier and it, it could make a world of difference. And that's the question that that I asked myself after listening to your chat. Is CCM anti-racist? No. And then the question is, do we want it to be? Yes. (laughs) Sorry, I mean, like, it's...
1: I remember before COVID, I had, um, like, I've been doing a few, like, anti-racist talks with, uh, with churches and pastors. And I had a bunch of, th- I was, you know, making some calls and, and trying to do some more, more work across Canada. And the majority of the response was kind of like, no, man, we don't have a race issue in our church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, mm, not what I hear. Um, and so, mm-hmm. and so it was really, really funny is that after things sort of began to sort of blow up in the States, those same churches were kind of like, Hey, man. <laughs> right can you come and talk to us I'm like okay, so what needs to happen is that people need to just understand that there might be a problem and let's address that even if there isn't a problem let's still address that this is something that needs worth talking about like it, we need to talk about these things because yes, I don't believe CCM uh man, it's so hard to sort of say CCM without specifically targeting, an organization or a person, <laughs> but mm. but I'll use the word. Generally speaking, CCM is not anti-racist. They are those churches kind of. like, We're not racist. Let's just continue with the program, you know. But I, I agree with you. I, I think, I think that needs to be a discussion. Um, that's something that I would love um, to have a, a connection with radio hosts across Canada, producers, artists across Canada to actually say, "Hey, is is there a problem here?" Is there a situation here? Are we anti-racist in terms of an industry in Canada? Um, And I'm singling out Canada because I think I think think that conversation would open up a whole lot of can of worms, I believe, because now, now, now the truth is going to come out. Like now, all those things that people have been sort of holding back or swallowing because, you know, like my response that I always got was kind of like, "Oh, stop whining, Drew. It's not a big deal." but now we're going to see that it's not just me. It's going to be many, many other people. And it's not about the whining process, but like how can we actually be better as a community? How can we actually look at this and say, okay, there it is. Let's work on that. Yeah, um, I think... Yeah, we need to be anti-racist. I mean, that's not, that's a flag that you and I, we've been waving that for a long time. Like, how can we be anti-racist? Not just yeah. saying that, no, I'm not, but actually working against, actively working against, actively pushing back, actively fighting. I think that is so, so important for this genre, specifically in our country.
0: <laughs> well, because we... The banner of Jesus. So this is where. <laughs> the, 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 um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Man. Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> so I mean, he was,
0: he was being politically correct, obviously. I there, it. You it was know? great. It was That's great. great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so this is where I agree with you, James. When you talk about racism and racism. both of those things we define as intentional. Yeah. And for so long, um, you know, and I'm going to zoom way out and talk generally about our culture. For so long, we've been um, okay with not being with being not racist. Right, so it's like we have these. We, you know, I, I would like to do a deep dive on the films that impact our discussion on race because we have in them heroes and villains. And uh, in a story, in a historic stories about, say, African Americans, we have these heroes that stand up to racism and make our audience say, "I am like that person." And then we have the villains, and there's usually just one of them who actively puts the person down, and we go, "I am not like that person." And, um, and so then we're cool cause we can say we're not racist cause we're not intentionally racist in our individual actions. You know, maybe we don't want to examine our thoughts too much, but, um, but most of the time we're not like that. And then there's the <laughs> system, which like I can't do anything about, I can't do anything about, um, redlining or, um, you know, unfair job hiring practices. Um, I, I, to, you know, to, for a while I can't do anything about, you know, Harding in, in Canada and, and unfair police practices. I can't do anything about the fact that there's not clean water on, you know, scores of indigenous uh, reserves. I can't do anything about the fact that. That reserves exist and that there's land claims and treaties that have just been broken. I can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I'm not racist and the system's bigger than me. And so, you know, away I go living my life. And I just I want people to say. To shift the paradigm towards being anti-racist, and when Drew said there's conversations that need to happen, he said radio hosts and industry people, and um, and artists. The artist one that caught me, you know, just a quick little Google, and I saw Jamie Grace talking to a Cleveland radio uh, or a Cleveland media outlet about the racism that she's experienced. That's right, in her that life. too. And that was a month ago. Yeah, that's right. Right, that's right. So I want to know. One thing is about, about racism that they've experienced in, uh, in the industry. I also want to know that, do you feel like your whole self is involved? Because I know that as a worship leader in my church, um, I, I, I got to play the hits. <laughs> and, and so there's like less room for me to express myself because it will make other people uncomfortable. But God made me. He made me. And he loves what I do. And I want to share that with my church family. And I want to share that with my country. And I want to share it in fullness. And it might be uncomfortable, but it's good for you. And it's good for your picture of God. And it's good for the way that you interact with other people. So this is where I'm like, hey, CCM, you want to keep that box? That's cool. I still think there's ways that we can be anti-racist, even if we want to keep the same radio format. I, I believe that with my whole heart and I just I, I took myself out of the narrative a while ago because I didn't really believe that there were other people that felt the same way
1: John I love I love this so much this is so good
0: I like you guys a lot um, if, if there's more conversations for us to have that's cool if, if we're not you know if we're not talking the same on the same page in terms of definition like like I definitely accept what radio is I just I have, I'm a brazen optometrist. I really want people to see something different. Um, and that's going to be hard. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, program away and, and James keeps doing the amazing work that you're doing. Um, you know, you probably won't get submissions from me and that's cool because I'm not bitter about that, about that market. I want my brothers and sisters to be able to work towards this. Anti-racism
1: movement because it's better for our world and our souls. Yes, Mr. Corbin, I want to say Sorry. thank you. I want to say thank. You. I've always I, we've I've always loved talking to you and and hanging out and hearing your thoughts because you always have good thoughts, and so I, I'm thankful that you're able to share this on the show with us and our listeners and engage in conversation. Um, it just always always good and. I I'm going to work on this round table thing. I think it'd be really cool to maybe have a, a larger more in-depth discussion. Maybe that could be something that can an online only thing, but I think uh, I would love I would love to do that one day.
2: Wasn't that the original delay why we didn't have John Corbin on Actually, earlier it's because we had wanted
1: it to be a round table, table discussion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we are talking about um hip hop and being black in Canada. Yeah. Boom. Imagine that. Word. That, that would have been years ago. That would have been like gra- yeah. groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, If you you guys ever want to do that again, just make sure you carve out three or four hours because it's a conversation.
1: We will. We will. It's going to be like a four or five part episode. Exactly. (laughs) Worth it. Worth it. Thanks a lot, brother.
0: Thank you. A lot of respect for you both. And um, yeah, I'm here for whatever conversation you need to have.
1: Oh, the brilliant and wonderful Mr. John Corbin. I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation with him.
2: Yeah, same here. It was it was long time coming. Yeah, it was. Because I know we were planning <laughs> on having him on in the first year of yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but given the fact that he's a teacher yeah. and he's kind of busy, five kids. He's
1: a busy guy. He's a busy
2: guy. <laughs> it was nice to finally have that chat. Uh, he reached out to us on this, which was great. Mm-hmm. It was after our host episode a number of weeks ago. But we still talked a little bit about the mental health of this industry, uh, the business of life, uh, the uh, the music aspect as far as uh, in- instrumental music. Right. And then, of course, we got into a little bit of that race subject, which <laughs> we kind of knew what was going to happen Sorry. in our original episode, yeah. our host episode, when we were talking about inequality or potential inequality right. in the
1: CCM world. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: so that was, uh, that was a, a great conversation. It really
1: was. Yeah. I think we need to have more conversations about this, um, just really taking a closer look at race racism and diversity and equity here in this genre, in the Christian sort of marketplace. I think it's important for us to do that. I think the closer we look at it, the more we'll have just a better glimpse of what's really happening, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be changed, what needs to be adjusted. I'm so glad that we had this conversation, first step, at least for us, to kind of dig deeper into... The CCM world, like this. Yep. Yeah.
2: Make sure you check out johncorbinmusic.com to find the links to his music, events, and social media. It is time now for artist advice. Ooh. And today we're going to hear from Joshua Leventhal. He was our guest last year on Between the Grooves. He was. And this is
1: what he has to say Wait, I didn't do my song. I have a new artist advice song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Artist advice!
0: Let yourself be shaped uh, by scripture. Um, I didn't know I was a musician until I was about 15, but I've been following Jesus since I could remember and uh, i think it's really 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 important that we uh we do the front end work and i know that's the kind of thing that um is, is easy to say and and not to do always but really just spending time um with him um in his word um and and to get back to just reading in general um and just really trying to expand your imagination
2: great word from Joshua Leventhal. So easy to get distracted, whether it be COVID stuff, protests, elections, back to school, just a call to stay focused.
1: Yeah, I think there is something really great about scripture that grounds us, you know, keeps us solid, keeps us um, standing firm. So it's, yeah, it's important to kind of Keep your head in the book sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. Come on now.
2: Well, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes
1: every Monday.
2: Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Help us reach more people.
1: And if you're on the Twitter and Facebook, you know where to find us. And if you don't, this is where you can do it.
0: (laughs) At Between (laughs) Groups.
1: We're on the Twitter and Facebook, at Between Groups. Check us out there. Connect with us and let's chat it up. Be nice to connect with you. We'll see you next time on Between the Groups.